Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Oh, wow. Let's read this. uh, Let's read this or say it out loud, this Christmas hymn. And some of you may not know it very well, uh, but it's such a wonderful hymn to start this whole series with. So let's say it. Come, thy long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Wow, beautiful. Charles Wesley wrote this. If, uh, some of you may be familiar with John and Charles Wesley, uh, the brothers who started Methodism back so long ago. They spent some time down around our coast in Savannah and through that area and all. Uh, but uh, Charles, who was uh, mostly the most prolific hymn writer of the brothers, uh, I was reading part of his journal this past week and how he would get on a horse and ride through the cold of the Welsh countryside and try to make it from one church to the next to preach. And I was reading this one story where uh, he had just the wind was in his face, he said, and the chill was upon his teeth and his hair was frozen and he's riding the horse and he was so miserable and he made it just before the sun went down to where they found a home and they stayed in the next day they started at 5 a.m. to ride again in the rain in the cold as he's trying to make it to this one particular town in Wales and he moves on and then the third night he does the same thing 5 a.m. up riding that horse and he says it gets so chilled that he can't stand it so they stop at a house with no windows (laughs) And this guy helps him board the windows up, build a small fire so he can stay warm, so they can, he can make it to the next town to preach. But he had another reason for going to the next town. He had a girlfriend there. That's right. So you never know where things, you know, what takes you. So he wanted to go preach. But there was a girl, Miss Sally uh, Gwynny. Miss Sally Gwynny was the love of his heart, but... Her parents were very concerned for her to marry a preacher, especially an itinerant preacher, one that's moving around a lot, because in that day, mobs would break out on them, stone them, chase them off. There was no money in it at all. And so he was trying to win her parents over as well. And so someone suggested to him that he sell his hymns uh, to get some money so he could get the approval of Sally's parents. And that's what he did. He wrote 6,500 hymns. 6,500. And sure enough, that was good enough for uh, Gwen, Mr. Gwenny, And they married. Uh, these songs come from the very heart of a revival, the Methodist revival. And so when we sing these songs through this whole series right on up to Christmas Eve, remember that they were birthed in the heart of someone who loved Christ. 
who was born in the, like this in the middle of a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not only in Great Britain, but also over here through the Wesley brothers and all. And so uh, kind of join in because they are our ancestors of sorts. You know, the Wesley brothers, they're our brothers. We're going to spend uh, eternity in the kingdom with them. And so we get to sing the songs together and join with them when we do, as we'll see some of the other great songs. So uh, we're going to be over in Luke, the second chapter this morning, if you have your Bible, if you want to turn over there, and we'll read this text. Now, when we sing the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, just how long are we waiting for Jesus to come? And how long was he expected? You know, I, I'm a very technical person in black and white in some ways when I study, and so I'm like, well, just wonder how long everybody's been waiting. So I just started doing a history look and went back to some of the Sumerian kings and the history of that because we really don't know exactly how many years between the Genesis account and all of this, you know, 2,500, 1,500, whatever. The Sumerian kings go all the way back to 43,500 years ago. So if we move back through history and all of that is a long time ago. But right out of the gate in the third chapter of Genesis, we get a clue right in the very beginning of what God intended to do through Christ. In 1 Peter, we read that, that it was planned for Jesus to come from the foundation or the creation of the world. That's a long time. Even before the world was created, it was planned for him to come. And while in the Old Testament, in Isaiah and different Old, in, uh, Old Testament books, we do see a picture of Christ coming. Only 2 to 3% of the prophecies in the Old Testament point straight to that. But as we build to the Gospels and all, it just finds this crescendo, if I could use that word, a music word, of where it just suddenly makes its point as Christ comes. And there's also a personal element to this, isn't there? How long have we waited? You know, how long have I waited? How long did I wait? Until that expected Savior came to my life. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. And so in Luke 2.25, we're going to find two people who had long expected Christ to come. So it's going to be up on the screens. I want us to read the text together, and then I'll pray, and we'll jump into this. Let's do it. You ready? Here we go. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's mother, father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then a until or four till she was 84. 
She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Father, bless the reading of your word today. Uh, Jesus, (laughs) this is such an exciting time. And we ask for your help. I ask for your help this morning. Give me the gift of teaching over the next little bit of time and breathe life on your word. May you take us to that moment in time, Simeon and Anna, Saul, the baby Jesus, the beginning of our salvation, that long-expected moment, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you have, any of you guys have a bucket list? You have a bucket list? Like uh, you've, you've seen the movie, right? Well, these two people in this story have a bucket list, but it's, it's very important, but it's very minimal. It's one thing. They want to see the Messiah. They want to see Jesus. That is all they want. That is why they stay where they are, why they're in the temple, why they're living where they are. Now, Simeon, whose name means God has heard. Isn't that cool? God has heard my cry that I want to see the Messiah. says he was a good man, a righteous man, a devout man. And he was obviously filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, the fact that he saw Joseph and Mary and the baby means that he was walking around on the outer courts of the temple. He wasn't on the inside, but he was out in the court of the women, they called it, or the court of the Gentiles. And uh, which I think is, is, is very telling in itself, that here is where the announcement of Jesus is coming, is right out where the women and where the non-Jewish uh, folks were. And so he's hanging out there, and uh, he has been waiting a very long time. I you know how you miss some things sometimes? You, you're around your house, you hang things on the wall, and you don't notice them for a while. And then one day, you, I, I noticed this on my wall. Scott, if you'd put this picture up uh, this week. This is, a, this is a puzzle that a wonderful couple, John and Kay, Johnny and Kay Lewis, gave us decades ago. Uh, I think for Christmas or, or pastor's appreciation or something way 20, 30 years ago or more. And it's Simeon holding the baby Jesus as he looks up into the sky. And so I'm in my office at home, and I'm studying. It's right there in front of me, you know, and I'm typing my sermon out. This is an awesome story. And then I go, you know, wow, there it is right there, the the story of Simeon and the baby Jesus. And Simeon had been waiting and looking for, and he had heard God, and he believed. And it's a possibility that Simeon was a part of the Babylonian exile. And so there's a lot of shadows moving here, like mankind is coming out of the exile through Christ. And Simeon, maybe he knew what happened because he was a part of the Babylonian exile, the Jewish people. But God had spoke to him and said, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to see the Messiah eventually. And now there's another one, too. There's a woman, Anna. Anna, whose name means, anybody named Anna, you know what it means? If you're named that, grace. So we have God heard and we have grace. Hanging out in the temple, in the court of the women, in the court of the Gentiles, Anna uh, was married, and looking through the, the way that this scripture can be read, is it, it could mean, and most a lot of people think it did mean, that she probably got married around 14, which was an, you know, the average age back then, 14, 15 years old. By the time she was 21, she was widowed. And at this point in time, she had been you know, a widow for 84 years. Now, she's from Penuel, the house of Asher, which carries with it this wonderful story that the house of Asher had beautiful women and smart women in it. 
But I, I just fi- find that something to ponder in the fact that she never remarried. That from 21 until she was maybe 105 years old, she stayed in the temple court praying, fasting, and worshiping to see this day come. And so finally, it comes. And she sees the baby, and she begins to tell everyone out in the court. Have you ever noticed how God uses some, we wouldn't because of our society and culture, but in this culture, it's quite unusual for women to be used to testify to Christ's coming. They had no clout in this culture, none. And yet God chose Anna, and look at the different types of people that God used. The shepherds, as we know, the shepherds were like your blue-collar workers. The shepherds were those who just worked hard. They stayed out on the road moving all the time and working hard physically. Elizabeth and Zechariah, an old couple who didn't think they could have, uh, you know, children. They have John the Baptist. Then there's Mary, a teenager, probably very young Joseph, plus, a, you know, an unwed mother who's pregnant with the Son of God. Talking about a situation, huh? Look at the different characters. Then there's Simeon, the old man, and then there's Anna, the extremely old widow. It's like God is making an announcement to all the world. You've been waiting for this, all of you types of people. All of you, from your 14-year-olds to you couples who have been so sad and feel like you've been missed by God's blessings, to an old man who is looking out across time and going, I'm just waiting. I want to see that. I'm holding on to life until I can see God's salvation. And I can see the consolation. The consolation is a Greek word, almost like the Holy Spirit, that comes alongside and helps Israel to its salvation. And, And then we have Anna, very old. Preaching, worshiping, walking up and down the courts, telling everyone about Jesus. Do you see what God's doing with his great welcome mat? <laughs> the long-expected Jesus has finally arrived. Now, you've got a handout on the backside or a fill-in on the backside of your handout this morning if you want to follow along with me. And I've got a, a few things for you. Just, just what is the big deal about Jesus? You know, why was he so long expected, whether it was 2,500 years, 1,500 years, whether it was 18,000 years, whether it's your 30 years or your 40 years or 50 years of life, yet you know there's something more and you're waiting for it. You're like, there's got to be more. It just, just cannot be all there is to life. So you're expecting and you're waiting and you're wanting and your eyes are open and you have an anticipation to recognize something you've waited so long for, but you're just not sure what it is yet. Well, your first feeling is this, and that is that when Jesus comes, he brings a long-expected freedom. A long-expected freedom. Simeon responds with, You may dismiss your servant. Now, in Latin, this is called the nuc dimittis. And it means, uh, you're, basically, you are free to go. <laughs> you are free to go. And that is that there is a freedom in finally seeing the Messiah. Um, there's a freedom in last week, we, or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the freedom of, that Christ brings in that if you were born into a family whose reputation was not great, <laughs> that your lineage is 
is somewhat tainted and you think you're going to be stuck in that and you'll never escape that even the announcement of Jesus coming now with it being Simeon and Anna and it being the shepherds and it being in the Gentile court and it being in the women's court that it's like God is saying, no, there is a freedom now. You don't have to be a Jewish person living a certain way to make your way into the courts for me to come to you and to change your life. And to give you what you've always wanted, and that is freedom. Freedom. Freedom from that lineage. Freedom from, from maybe a curse or what you feel like you're dragging with you through life. Romans three twenty two through 24 says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely. By his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This was a, an amazing announcement in this time, in this season. That we're all welcome through Christ to come. There's a freedom now to approach God that we never had before. I mean, gosh, if we needed that right now in our country, don't we need it? I mean, if there's anything that can bring us all together, it's the fact that Jesus is Lord, that he is in control, that he is our king. Jesus is, and it, it calls us to a certain humility to come together, no matter what our opinions politically, no matter what our race, no matter what our ethnicity. It brings us together under him in humility, but also great excitement of the freedom to realize we're all welcome now. We were all sinners. We were all disenfranchised out a far distance from God, and yet in Christ, the long-expected Savior, now we can be drawn near to Him. Freedom. Freedom from our prejudices. Freedom to love one another as God's creation, because He made every one of us. Freedom. And so that comes in Christ, and I think it's so obvious in Simeon and, and Anna. And I have to tell you that in this church, that I feel like our church, the Vineyard here, has a calling in that area. We haven't experienced it like I feel like God has for us yet, but I feel like we are absolutely salt and light, and that we are to be a city set on a hill full of occupants who are just amazingly diverse and incredibly alive with the kingdom knowledge that God is king. In Jesus Christ with us. And so in the coming of Christ, it makes that possible. Everything else is just sweat equity. (laughs) We can try to make people conform and we can try to convince people of this and that. But when the long expected Jesus comes and he grips our heart as he did Simeon and Anna's, then things can change. And we can be free of some of the, the, the racist attitudes we have or maybe even we can see what we didn't think we had. <laughs> you know, that's a freedom, right? It's a freedom to ever have that exposed in your heart so that you can deal with it because some of us don't know we have it. We don't know we have it. And then the freedom comes to know that I, got, I face it and I go, oh God, you know, how do I, how does this change for me? Long expected Jesus, you have finally come to set me free from this. The Gentile court was open to the Gentiles. It was open to women. It was open to all. There's now no Jew, no Greek, no Gentile, no male, no female, but one in Christ Jesus. And so in the power of the long-expected Jesus, suddenly we have a power to deal with that. That's something to celebrate. 
That is a freedom for all of us that we can embrace. And so uh, also there's freedom from condemnation. And I mean, that, that is a huge part of, of that long-expected freedom because some of you, some of us, carry this huge bag of regret behind us, always. And the bag of regret that we carry trips us up for the history that God has for us now and in the future. We just can't seem to get beyond our regrets. But yet Jesus, the long-expected Jesus, comes along and says, I can deal with that. I can give you a freedom from that. I can cut that loose from you if you'll let me. I know you've been expecting to be free from that for a long time, and maybe you've accepted that you're never going to be free, but because Christ has come, you can be free. Listen to this scripture in Romans 8, 1 through 2. 1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Man, that's a long expected blessing for many of us. Many of us. And if you're here today, your long expected moment has come. If you're carrying this bondage of condemnation, then I can never forgive myself. Well, if Jesus can forgive you, believe me, you can forgive yourself. And you can move on from this moment today into what God has for you for the rest of your life. This is a big moment in time when Christ comes. Your second one is, in this long-expected coming of Jesus, is there is long-expected peace. Some of us struggle with that. And maybe, you know, if it was like me, it was when the nighttime came. When all these fears would kind of flood you and all the apprehensions and letdowns and things that uh, maybe you were just, you know, inundated with it. And you, you knew that Jesus was the Prince of Peace, but it's like he's just not ruling in me right now. I don't know why. But with the coming of Jesus comes his peace. I mean, he is a king who rules with peace. Do you get that? Ruling with peace. We think that ruling is, you know, strength and the squash enemies and all. But, you know, the, the ruling of Jesus is his bringing of his kingdom and the bringing of peace and reconciliation to our lives so that we can live a life of peace. And no matter how long you've been expecting that and you haven't received it yet, it's there in Christ Jesus for you this morning, for me this morning. Come thou long-expected peace to this troubled person or to this troubled world, this troubled country, this troubled family, this troubled child. Come thou long-expected peace. Come, Jesus. Come. There's much to celebrate, much uh, to thank God for. And there's peace with God, this long-expected peace. You know, Simeon said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may dismiss your servants. Servant in peace. Peace with God in Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. But how? How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now crawl. What? <laughs> Yeah, Stan. I mean, Romans 5.1 and the the first part of that second verse says that because the long-expected Jesus has come, now 
we can be made right with God. And God begins putting to rights everything that are wrong in our life and in this world. He begins moving it in the right direction. Why? Because we have gained access by faith in Christ. And to this grace by which we can stand before Him. Get up and stand. Because our long-expected Jesus has come. Get up and stand in the grace in which he has brought to your life and the peace with your maker that he has brought in Christ. Long expected Jesus. And I mentioned this before, but you've got you to gotta notice this with Simeon and Anna, and that is, you know, the long expected peace with our age. <laughs> you know, with whatever age. You know, we, we baby boomers have a real problem with age. Yeah. You know, we just don't, you know, I mean, I thought I was going to be dead by 30. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, we all said that. You know, what are you going to do till now I'm 30? Well, I'm going to have a good time, you know. It's like, won't be around. I'm 30, you know, it's done. I remember driving across the 501 bridge when I turned 30 going, I'm still here. Wow. I can't believe it. You know, it's still here. But coming to peace, and this would also mean, you know, if you're young and you think that maybe God can't use you right where you are, but there's a peace in this that God gives us in the examples of the people who testified to Christ. Um, Simeon, Anna... Uh, dear young person, Mary, you know, look at what she carried. 14, 15-year-old little girl where she is. Anna, probably, we don't know anything about her. But from her, probably from her youth and, and maybe even her husband at the time, something was ingrained in her where she looked so forward to the day that Messiah would come. It changed her life. But Simeon, there is a great, um, there is a great part of this story in when I mentioned that Latin term, nuke dimitis, where he says, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. It means you're free to go. Well, get the picture of this. The, the, the picture is of a sailboat in this word, free to go, right? Taking off the rope from around where it's been tied up and throwing it in the boat and letting it sail. That's the picture of you may go. In other words, Simeon says, now I can sail. Now I can sail because I have seen the long-expected Jesus. Now for him, it was like, I've been around a long time, and I'm ready to sail, you know, right on into the kingdom. I'm ready to, to sail. But true for young people, for wherever you are in life, the nuke timetus, the Latin phrase for, if I'm pronouncing that right, forgive me, Latin scholars in here. I'm just a southern boy, that's all. And... Uh, uh, but that, that expectation of our freedom and our peace to come frees us to sail on without encumbrance. To become all that Christ wants us to be in this life, to sail. And also, it takes the fear of death away from us. So that when the time comes, we untie the rope, we toss it in the boat, and we go sail on. I'm at peace. Sail on. Now, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that peace? Sail on. Cut the rope free. So then the coming of Jesus is there's a lot of, wow, you know, there's just so much to, to celebrate. The freedom, the peace. Now, how do we respond to this? Well, I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine this morning that this was the temple. You came out for a regular temple service and there was a young couple, very young couple, carrying a baby, there to be circumcised in the temple courts. And 
And there's an old man standing there and he sees him come across the front. There's an old lady, a very old lady. <laughs> you know, nobody would, even, nobody would even notice her. 105, maybe years old, bent over. But her eyes sparkle as she has this anticipation of seeing the long-expected Messiah come. And she turns and she sees this old man lifting this baby up in the air. And he begins prophesying to the mother and saying, The consolation of Israel has come, but mom is going to pierce your heart what he has to go through, which is what he said. Prophesying this is going to break your heart what he goes through. But he will indeed be the consolation of all Israel. He will bring the satisfaction that we've been looking for for thousands of years. He is here and Anna sees and rushes over. A woman who has fasted and prayed and worshipped in the temple for decades and decades and decades waiting for this moment. The long expected Jesus. What would be your response? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, that's such a beautiful story of 2,000, more than 2,000 years ago, but it's just as real right now in this place at this moment as it was then. We have been awaiting your arrival, Jesus. We know there has to be more. When you have come fulfilling prophecy upon prophecy upon prophecy and you have thrown the gates of the temple wide open and said whoever may come thanks for listening to the seacoast vineyard podcast you can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com if you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift please click on the give tab at our website or download the push pay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.